Well, hey everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. And I just want to start out by thanking you for spending part of your day with us. And if you're blessed during our time together today, let me invite you to come and worship with us live on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. You can worship with us live on our church website at mhbclouisville.com live. Or if you're in the Louisville, Kentucky area, we would love to have you come and join us in person. But with that, let's get right into this episode sermon. So there's a story that's been circulating around the internet for years about a professor who walks up to the lectern at the front of his class one day carrying an empty glass jar in his hands. Now, all of the students in the class were wondering why it was that this professor was carrying this empty glass jar with him. But before any of them had the chance to raise their hands and ask what was going on, the professor had set the glass jar down on a table And he reached underneath his lectern and he pulled out a box that was filled with rocks. One by one, he took the rocks out of the box and he placed them inside of the glass jar. And when he finished, the professor looked at his students and he asked them, is the jar full? Well, the students, still puzzled by what exactly was going on in class that day, all looked up at the glass jar on that table and they said, yeah, the glass jar is full. Then the professor reached back underneath his lectern and he pulled out another box that was filled with pebbles, which he used to start pouring into the glass jar around the larger rocks. When he had finished, the professor once again looked out at his students and he said, is the jar full? Well, having fallen for the professor's trick once before, the students were a little bit more cautious this time around. They stared at the glass jar for a little while, but they couldn't figure out a way that the professor could possibly fit another rock into that jar. So they said, yes, the jar is full. Then the professor reached back underneath his lectern and he pulled out a bag of sand, which he started pouring into that jar. And when the jar was overflowing with sand, the professor looked out at his students and he asked them a different question. He asked them, what can this jar teach us about our lives? That's a good question. What can this jar teach us about our lives? And the professor had a specific lesson that he was trying to teach his students that day. But we're not going to talk about that specific lesson quite yet. We're going to get to that later on in this series of sermons. What I want us to talk about today is the way that one of the students in his class responded to that professor's question. Because when the professor asked the question, what can this jar teach us about our lives, one of the students in his class eagerly raised his hand, and when he was called on, the student said, no matter how full our lives may seem, We can always fit more in. And I want to talk about the way that that student responded to the question, because even though that is definitely not the answer that that professor was looking for, that's not the lesson he was trying to teach his students that day, we're stopping at that point in the story because that student's answer has become a way of life for a lot of us. A lot of us have come to believe that no matter how full our lives seem, we can always fit more in. A lot of us believe that no matter how full our lives may seem, we can always fit more into them. I mean, I know that's the way that I act in my life. 
you know, it doesn't matter how many rocks or pebbles or grains of sand I have inside of the jar that is my life, I am always willing to try to fit in just a little bit more. And the season that we are just coming out of, the Christmas season, is the perfect example of that. Now, as all of you are well aware, I'm a pastor. And as a pastor, my schedule's pretty busy. My jar stays pretty full a lot of the time. Every single week, I spend hours researching and writing sermons, spend a couple of hours every Tuesday meeting with our staff, and a few more hours over the course of a month meeting with our deacons or with our leadership team. Then every week, I make phone calls, I respond to emails, I send out text messages, I update our church website, schedule posts that go out on our social media. Depending on what's going on in your life, I can spend time during the week making visits to hospitals or funeral homes. So when I think about the jar that is my life, it stays pretty full most of the time. But when Christmas rolls around, I always try to cram more into the jar that is my life. Now, for us here at Melbourne Heights, our Christmas season really starts back in the month of November when we start doing all of our shopping for the angels that we get off of the angel tree. You may or may not remember this, but we shopped for 85 different angels this past Christmas. So that meant that I made at least a handful of trips to Kohl's and a couple of additional trips to Target to make sure that things were purchased, that all of the items these kids needed were purchased for them. And then also in the month of December, we got our sanctuary space, our church building, decorated for the Christmas season. And those decorations don't just magically appear. It may have only taken us a few hours to get all of them up, but that was a few more hours that got filled up on my schedule. Then when the month of December officially began, we had a different event or activity that was happening every week at Malbert Heights. And it's not like we could just throw the doors open for those events to happen. Whether you're talking about our first ever Christmas craft day, or our family Christmas movie, or our Christmas banquet, or our Christmas Eve service, all of those events had to be planned out and they had to be set up for. And all of that stuff happened in addition to the regular stuff I already do in my job. And that's just the extra stuff that happened at work during the Christmas season. I also had to go out and do all the Christmas shopping for my family and my friends that I was going to buy gifts for. I had to help decorate around our house. We even had to get everything set up and ready so that we could host one family Christmas gathering at our house this year. On top of that, I had to load presents into the car for a couple of different occasions, even though I forgot one at one point along the way, so that we could make our trip down to spend Christmas and celebrate Christmas with our family a couple of additional times. So by the time that Christmas Day came to an end, I don't know if I could have fit one more little grain of sand into the jar that is my life. But I also know that if I had to, I certainly would have tried. And as busy as I was during the Christmas season, your lives were every bit as busy. Your lives were every bit as busy as mine had been over the last six or eight weeks because you still had responsibilities at home and at work that kept you going all hours of the day. You may have had doctor's appointments or dentist appointments that you had to make, or you may have had to take your kids to extracurricular activities and then pick them up afterwards. At night, you were cooking dinner or getting lunches ready for the next day. And on top of all of that, you were getting all of the things taken care of that you needed to do so that you could celebrate Christmas the way that you and your family celebrate Christmas. So even though the rocks and the pebbles and the grains of sand in your life may look different than the rocks and the pebbles and the grains of sand in my life, all of our jars are still full. Or to put it another way for you, 
all of our lives are overbooked. All of our lives are overbooked. We try to cram more events and activities, more plans and responsibilities into our lives than we could possibly fit. Our lives are overbooked. About this time last year, the folks over at H&R Block even commissioned a survey that, that they used to try to figure out and understand just how busy we as Americans are. And what they found out in this survey is that the average American has four hours and 26 minutes of free time each week. Four hours and 26 minutes of free time a week. That breaks down to 38 minutes of free time a day. 38 minutes of free time a day isn't even enough time to watch the latest episode of Loki or Echo on Disney+. Plus, But that's all the free time that we have in our lives. And you would think that since we have such little free time in our lives, that that would mean that we are getting a whole lot of things done in our lives. But this same survey found out that the average person has 14 items left on their to-do list every single week. And they found that one out of every five of us has at least 20 things that we wanted to get done this past week that we just didn't have time to do. So what are these kind of things that we aren't getting done every single week? Well, 48% of us put off doing chores because we don't have time for them. 40% of us don't have the time to take our cars in to have them serviced, even when something like a check engine light is going off. And 27% of us don't have enough time in our lives where we can regularly see our doctors to check up on our health. So whether we realize it or not, all of our busyness is having an effect on us. It's taking a toll on our lives physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Jody Clark, who is a psychologist who actually specializes in the effects of chronic busyness, as it's called, tells us that we live in a state where we are constantly stressed out and overwhelmed because we know that there is always another job that needs to be done or another task that needs to be completed. And when we think about all of this, when we think about how busy we are and how stressed out and overwhelmed we are because we're constantly busy, we eventually start to realize that something's got to give. Something's got to give. We weren't made to live in this constant state of busyness. So there has to be a way that we can stop trying to cram so much stuff into our lives. Well, that's what we're going to be talking about in this first official sermon series of the new year here at Malford Heights. Today we're starting into a new series of sermons called Overbooked. And what we want to do throughout the series is we want to help you try to figure out ways that you can slow down, and you can clear your calendar a little bit so that you have more time for those things in your life that matter the most to you. But how do we do that? How do you start to slow down? How do you start to clear your calendar? How do you start to make time for those things that matter the most to you? What can you start doing today to make you cram a little bit less stuff into the jar that is your life? Well, as we try to answer that question, I don't think that there is a better place for us to start in the sermon series than by taking a look at what Jesus does during a period in his life that could easily be categorized as extremely busy. 
So if you've got a Bible close by, and I encourage you to grab it, or if you've got a Bible app on your phone, go ahead and open it up to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. And as you're finding Matthew 14, I'll just point out that the book of Matthew is basically a biography of Jesus. So in the book of Matthew, you're going to be able to read all about Jesus' life. And that includes, that means you're going to be able to read about what Jesus does when his life gets busy. But before we dive into Matthew chapter 14 today and see what it is that Jesus does when his life gets busy, we need to take a step back for just a second and spend a little bit of time talking about what all had been happening in Jesus' life leading up to the story that we're looking at today. And right before the passage we're looking at today takes place, Jesus has been spending time in his hometown. And while Jesus has been in his, in his hometown, he's been going to the synagogue there, trying to teach the people there about God. But let's just say that the people in the synagogue in Jesus' hometown weren't really receptive to what he was saying. They weren't listening to Jesus' message. Now, it doesn't matter if you're trying to teach your five-year-old how to tie their shoes or if you're trying to teach a class of seventh graders about the Punnett Square, or if you're trying to teach a synagogue filled with worshipers about God, if the people that you're trying to teach aren't listening to you, it adds a whole lot of stress and anxiety to your life. Now, on top of this for Jesus, after he finishes trying to teach inside of the synagogue, he also learns that his cousin, John the Baptist, has been executed. He's been murdered by his own government. So at this point in the story, it's pretty easy to see that Jesus' jar is full. And all Jesus wants to do is to be able to go off and mourn and grieve his loss on his own. But as soon as the people find out where it is that Jesus has gone, the crowds start flocking to him. And Jesus can't just turn all of these people away. So Jesus starts ministering to them. He starts teaching them. He starts healing their sick. And when he realizes that they're in this rural area where these people are never going to be able to go out and find food to feed themselves, Jesus is able to find five loaves of bread and two small fish that he miraculously uses to feed 5,000 people that are gathered in the crowd that day. So Jesus has been really busy. He's been teaching in the synagogues. He's been grieving the loss of his cousin. He's now spent his time feeding this multitude of people. And things are only going to get busier for Jesus after the story that we're going to take a look at today. Because right after the story that we're looking at today, there is a huge storm that is going to hit the area that Jesus is in. And Jesus' disciples, his closest followers, are going to be caught out at the sea, out in the sea when this storm hits. So Jesus' jar is full. Jesus' jar is overflowing. His life is busy. So let's take a look at Matthew chapter 14 together, and let's see what it is that Jesus does during this time. Matthew chapter 14, we're going to start reading in verse 22. This is what Matthew tells us. He says, right then, then means after he had finished feeding the 5,000 people, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead to the other side of the lake while he dismissed the crowds. When Jesus sent them away, he went up onto a mountain by himself to pray. Evening came, and he was alone. 
So what is it that Jesus does when his life is so busy? Right after Jesus had fed the 5,000, right before the storm hits and his disciples are going to get caught out at sea in it, what does Jesus do? Jesus goes off by himself to rest and to pray. Now, that probably shouldn't come as a surprise to us because this is Jesus that we're talking about. Jesus is God-made human. So it shouldn't be surprising to us that Jesus does the same thing when his life is feeling really busy that God did at the very beginning in the book of Genesis after God created the heavens and the earth. Because after God created the heavens and the earth, what does God do? On the seventh day, God rested. So when Jesus is going through this extremely busy period in his life, what does Jesus do? Jesus rested. So what is it that we should be doing when life gets extremely busy for us? When our lives get too busy, we need to rest too. When our lives get too busy, we need to rest too. And I know that's probably not groundbreaking information for anyone that is worshiping with us right now. I mean, at the very least, I told you a little bit earlier on in the sermon that the average person has four hours and 26 minutes of free time every week. If that information alone isn't enough to help you realize that all of us could use some more downtime in our lives, I don't know what would help you get the point. But it's also a whole lot easier said than done. So what can we do that will help us do a better job of resting? What can we do that will help us do a better job of finding ways and times in our lives to take breaks? What can we do to make the best use of the time that we have? Well, in his book, When, The Scientific Secrets of Perfect Timing, Daniel Pink offers us some practical guidelines to help us do a better job of taking breaks. Now, if you're the kind of person who likes to take notes, now's the great time to pull out a pen and a piece of paper or even open up the notes app on your phone because Daniel Pink has four guidelines that we can all follow that will help us do a better job making the most out of the time that we have to take breaks. Right? So this is some of the advice that Daniel Pink gives us. The first guideline that he gives us is that something is better than nothing when it comes to breaks. I'll say that again so you can write it down. Something is better than nothing. Now, what this means is that even a little break is better than taking no break at all. And there's a company out there called Desk Time that specializes in productivity. And what they found from closely examining their own employees is that the most, the highest performers in their company, that they regularly work for 52 minutes at a time, and then they take a seven-minute break. Now, seven minutes isn't an especially long time, but even that short little break uh, helps all of these employees that do it to refocus on the task at hand when they come back to their work. So something is always better than nothing. Now, the next piece of advice that Daniel Pink gives us when it comes to taking breaks is that moving is better than being inactive. Moving is better than being inactive. Something as little as a five-minute walk can help boost our energy levels and sharpen our focus and improve our moods. 
So when you take a break, if you can get up and you can move around a little bit, it's better than being stationary. The third thing that Daniel Pink tells us when it comes to our breaks is that being outside is better than being inside. And when you stop and you think about it for just a second, this makes a whole lot of sense. Because the vast majority of human history, human beings haven't lived and spent all of our time inside of buildings that are climate controlled, as nice as that may be on these cold winter days. But most of human history was spent in nature. So there's something that is hardwired into us that when we're outside of nature, it rejuvenates us more than we would even expect it to. So the third principle that we can follow if we want to do a better job of taking breaks and make the most of the time we have is to be outside instead of being inside. The fourth principle that Daniel Pink offers to us in his book is that being fully unplugged or fully disconnected is better than being partially disconnected. Now, what he means here is that it's all well and good if you can take a little five or ten minute break and go outside and take a walk, but that break doesn't do as much for you as it can if you're busy thinking about everything you've got on your to-do list the whole time that you're out taking that walk. The point of the break is to not only take a physical break, but also to take a mental break. So being fully disconnected is better than being partially disconnected. And if you stop and you think back to the story that we read from the book of Matthew a little bit earlier on, you'll see that Jesus does every one of these things that Daniel Pink talks about in his book. Right after Jesus feeds the 5,000, right before this raging storm comes into the area that he's in, what does Jesus do? He takes the time that he has to go off on his own to rest and to pray. So the first thing that Jesus does is he takes the time that he has to take a break. Because something is better than nothing. And it doesn't matter if you have five minutes or ten minutes or twenty minutes Even a little break can make a big difference in your life. So the first thing that Jesus does is he takes that little bit of time he has to have that break. The second thing that he does is he gets moving. Matthew tells us that he goes up a mountain. It means that Jesus isn't sitting around. He doesn't plop down on the couch and veg out when he has a few minutes at at his disposal. No, he gets up and he gets moving because being moving, getting moving is better than being inactive when it comes to breaks. And where does Jesus go when he takes this break? Well, Matthew tells us he goes up onto a mountain. And the last time I checked, we keep mountains outdoors, not indoors. Being outside is better than being inside. So when Jesus can take this break, he goes up on a mountain, spends time in nature. And what does Jesus do while he's taking that break? Is Jesus busy analyzing just how efficient his disciples had been when they were feeding the 5,000 people, trying to figure out where there were hiccups and where they made some mistakes so that they could be more efficient the next time they had to feed a multitude and either feed them faster or feed more people? No, that's not what Jesus does. When Jesus goes out, does he have his phone out with the weather app loaded up so that he can figure out exactly when that raging storm is going to hit? No, that's not what Jesus does. What does Jesus do during his break? He rests and he prays. 
Jesus detaches from his to-do list while he's taking this break. And he focuses in on resting and being in God's presence through prayer. This is something that all of us could learn. This is something that all of us need to be able to do if we want to be able to take a break inside of our lives. So when you're feeling overbooked, when your life is getting too busy, when your jar is overflowing with rocks and pebbles and grains of sand, you need to find time to rest. And obviously, the more time that you can find to rest and to take a break, the better. I mean, God did take an entire day off after he created the heavens and the earth in Genesis, right? But also remember that something is better than nothing. So finding even a few minutes in your day can be enough to help you feel refreshed and energized and refocused on the things that matter most to you. So here's what I want to challenge you to do this week. And as I make this challenge, I'm not challenging you to add one more thing into the jar that is your life, okay? I want you to hear me say that, first of all. What I actually, the first thing I want to challenge you to do is to start removing a little bit of that stuff from your life so that you can carve out 15 or 20 minutes every single day this next week just to take a break. So if you've got to shift around your calendar, some appointments, take a shorter lunch break, whatever it is, remove a little bit of stuff from your calendar, just 15 or 20 minutes a day, so that you can take a break. And remember those principles that Daniel Pink offers us. Something is better than nothing, so 15, 20 minutes a day can make a big difference for you. Getting moving is better than being inactive, so when you take that break, don't just sit at your desk, don't plop down on your couch, get up, get your body moving, go for a walk. Yes, outdoors is better than indoors, But it's going to be really cold this week, so if you don't want to put on your coats and bundle up and go walking in the winter, that's fine. But walk around your office building, walk around your house, go out to the mall, go out to Walmart or Kroger, walk around the aisles, get moving. But when the weather gets nicer, outside is always better than inside. And be fully detached while you're doing it. Don't think about everything that's waiting for you when you get back home or get back to your desk. Be detached. Be in that moment. Let God speak to you during that time. Forget about everything that is waiting to be done. Live in that moment. Because every single one of us live lives that are busier than they need to be. And that means that every single one of us need to do a better job of learning how to slow down Just take a break. Let's pray together. God, as we come to you in this word of prayer, you know that there is not a person that can hear my voice right now that wouldn't say that their lives are busy. We as people, we just have a tendency to try to fill something into every spare moment of our day. But God, that's not how you made us to live. So help us. Help us start finding ways where we can slow down a little bit. Help us 
understand that it's okay for us to have some clear slots in our calendar and our schedule. Help us realize that the only way we will ever have time for the things that matter the most to us is if we prioritize them. And don't let every little thing get in the way. Because God, every single one of us, wants the same things for our lives. We want to spend more time with our families. We want to spend more time with our friends. We want to spend more time with you. But God, we fill our schedules with so many things that all of those things, our families, our friends, our relationship with you can all go on the back burner sometimes. So God, help us to realize just how overbooked we are. Allow us to give ourselves permission to slow down and take a break. And God, help us to find the rest we need. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our Sermon Podcast, and I hope that you've been blessed during our time together. And if that's happened, once again, I want to invite you to come and worship with us live on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. You can do that by joining us on our church website at mhbclouisville.com live, or if you're in the Louisville, Kentucky area, you can also worship with us in person. And that's going to do it for this episode of our Sermon Podcast, but I want to invite you to come back and join us again when our next episode drops next week. But until then, I'll be praying for you. I hope that you have a great week, and we'll see you back here soon for another Sermon Podcast.